You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, this week I've been thinking a lot about uh, anniversaries. Uh, Last Monday, uh, the 14th is Bastille Day, right? It's also my wedding anniversary, my 35th wedding anniversary last Monday. Caroline. Hi, up there. So right here, 35 years ago last Monday, my wife and I stood and we said our vows. And uh, that's a pretty special day. Uh, some anniversaries are good. Some are harder ones. Uh, but, you know, another, a couple of other good ones. Uh, next weekend, my mother's coming to town, and we're going to celebrate her 90th birthday. So that's a pretty good anniversary. My dad turns 90 this coming fall, so that's going to be another one to celebrate. Uh, also, August 1st, coming up here, uh, Ray Moore will celebrate 42 years on the staff of University Presbyterian Church. That's a long time. <clears throat> so lots of applause. There are also hard anniversaries, uh, difficult anniversaries. And one of those for me is August 5th. That may not mean anything to you, August 5th. What happened August 5th? Well, 23 years ago, August 5th, my daughter, Andrew, was diagnosed with cancer, with uh, leukemia. I'm looking at the Longtons right here, and they know. They walked along with us so, so much during that time. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, the world changed in an instant when I heard the word cancer. And I remember a quote that put uh, words to my feelings at the time. It's from an educator whose name is Elizabeth Stone. I've never met her, but these words made sense to me. Said the decision to have children is momentous. It is to decide forever to let your heart go wandering outside your body. That's how it felt. And there she was, my heart, three and a half years old, sitting there with cancer. It is a very desperate feeling you have as a dad, as a parent. And my prayer was just simply one word. It's all I could get out. Help. Help, Lord. Well, it's 20 years post-treatment. Andrew's doing great. Just got to update you there. She actually works at Children's Hospital in the hematology-oncology unit where she was treated. So she's doing just great. Uh, And that's good news. But I share this story with you today because our story today in Scripture starts with another dad who's just like me. His name is Jairus, and his daughter is also very sick, uh, sick to the point of dying. And I know how desperate he feels. Um, there's also another kind of story sandwiched in here, as we, we heard from our interns today. It's a story of a woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She has a chronic condition. So both of these stories, I think, have something to teach us. We can learn what happens when there's enough faith to interrupt Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at today. We all have crises that happen in our lives. We face those crises. We all have chronic conditions in our lives that make us feel like we're not quite alive. We all have friends or neighbors or family members who face those things as well. So the question I want us to ask today is, do we have enough faith to interrupt Jesus? So let's look at what happens in these stories. First of all, a couple comments about Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is one of action. He doesn't waste any time on the birth narrative of Jesus. He doesn't talk about his childhood. He moves right into the dynamic adult ministry of Jesus. The first two chapters are just chock full of miraculous and 
amazing things that Jesus does. And then in, in chapter 3, we see these crowds gathering around Jesus, just enormous crowds. And Jesus tells the disciples to have a boat ready so he's not crushed by the crowds. He's got this boat in waiting because of the crowds. In chapter 4, Jesus is out in one of these boats with his disciples in the middle of a storm, and he calms the storm. And they are all just absolutely amazed. He even controls the wind and the waves. And then early in chapter 5, right before the story we're going to look at today happens, he, he heals a man who's been driven out of his mind by demons. He, and he casts these, this legion of demons out into um, a, a herd of pigs, and they run off a cliff. and Everybody's amazed. So Mark writes, I think, to... to make us part of the crowd that's following Jesus, the Messiah, uh, with things just getting more amazing as they go in this, in this gospel. There's just amazing things that happen. So this brings us to the point of our story today that we've heard our interns kind of read out today in this dialogue. It starts with Jairus. Jesus kind of arrives, he gets out of the boat, and Jairus is there, the synagogue leader, and he asks his daughter who's dying. And he begs Jesus to come to his home to heal her. And so they begin to go out. But what you have to know to appreciate what's going on here is that the religious leaders of the day have already declared Jesus a false messiah. And it's Jairus' job to keep the crowd away from Jesus. So probably not the best thing for Jairus to do to invite Jesus and his whole crowd all to his house for a big healing service. But that's what he does. Because when your child is sick and dying, you don't think about that other stuff. You don't think about career advancement. You don't think about that. You realize your daughter's dying. Your heart is right there, and you ask for help. You do anything. And so he has enough faith, enough faith enough to interrupt Jesus. And this looks like it's going to be the next big thing that happens, right? The crowd's going to arrive. We're going to follow him, go to where this 12-year-old girl is, and maybe see a healing, the next big event. But suddenly this whole drama is interrupted. There's this, this woman who's in the crowd. She doesn't even have a name in this text. She's that anonymous. And she's been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. Jesus is on the way to do the next amazing thing. He's got the crowd with him. He's just received an invitation from one of the local big uh, religious leaders. Uh, but this ordinary woman who's sick with this chronic illness, interrupts it all. Mark tells us that she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather worse. So those of you in the medical community are going to want to read this version of the story from the Gospel of Dr. Luke, because in there he leaves out um, the suffering under many physicians. Um, <laughs> But I think Mark wants to make it clear that this woman has suffered and has spent all of her resources. She's out of money. She's out of expert counsel. She's out of hope. And I think Mark inserts this story in the middle of the larger narrative because it's interesting. He's interested in the people in the crowd as well as the next big event that they might see. This woman really could be any of us, couldn't she? I mean, we... Every one of us is hemorrhaging. You may be struggling with a disease or a chronic condition. You may have exhausted all the medical expertise. You may have exhausted your patients. You're not dying, but you don't really feel fully alive. Or others of us are, are maybe bleeding uh, in different ways. We have broken hearts. 
We have broken relationships, broken dreams, or still others of us have chronic problems of, of guilt. We just weigh down by guilt or anxiety about the future. We just can't get over it. We can't get past it. And we've tried everything that we know to do. We have ignored our problems. We have pretended that it doesn't hurt. We have run away from our hurts into hard work or anything else that might numb our pain. But eventually we start to think that we will always have this problem because we aren't getting any better. Rather, we grow worse like the woman. And then we hear about this Jesus who does amazing things. And we join the crowd and we push in to get close to Jesus. And we're here to see if Jesus can help. Do we have enough faith to interrupt him is the question. And so this woman reaches out and she touches just the hem of his garment as he walks by. And immediately she's healed. Then all of a sudden, Jesus stops in the middle of this crowd. He stops the whole procession and says, who touched me? And his disciples think he's kidding. I mean, who touched you, Jesus? Half of Galilee is trying to get their hands on you. And you asked who touched you in the middle of this crowd? I mean, they're stressed. Think of it. There's a 12-year-old who's dying in a house just up the road. They're in a way. It's a 911 call. Let's go. But Jesus wants to know. He's not in a hurry. He's never in a hurry. In all the Gospels, he doesn't run once. I mean, the rulers of the synagogue, the people in the crowd, they have to wait. Jesus wants to know who had faith enough to touch him, to interrupt him. So he makes this the big deal. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, the word that comes to mind about this woman's faith is just a very gentle faith. Just a gentle touch of his robe, not wanting to even be seen or even noticed. She isn't grabbing for a piece of Jesus, just a hopeful touch. I mean, maybe Jesus could help. But now this... She calls her, he calls him out, her out. I mean, in the middle of this whole crowd, who touched me? And so she comes forward and she tells him in front of the whole crowd, the whole truth. And the whole truth for this woman is that she was like a leper in her community for 12 years, unclean, outcast. But the whole truth for us, as we come to Jesus, is that we, not just that we hurt, but we hurt a lot of people along the way trying to fix our own hurts. The whole truth is not that we have made a few mistakes, but like this woman, we are spent and we're tired of trying to grab what only Jesus can give us. But the best news of all is that the whole truth is that if we are ready to say these things, then we are ready to reach out to Jesus who wants to be interrupted by us. So he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. And Jesus says, go in peace and be healed of your disease. He makes her healing the public event. In front of everyone, he restores her to community by calling her his daughter. 
daughter, you're healed. So I think Mark was right. Jesus' miracles and this crowd-gathering ministry he has always kind of lead to this next amazing event, this action gospel. But the next amazing event was not the one we expected at Jairus' house. Because when Jesus got there, he threw the crowd out. They didn't get to see what happened there. He stops everything to care for this nameless woman in this crowd, and he makes that the next big event. And he'll do that for us if we're willing to interrupt him in the midst of the way. And now this story continues as they head off to Jairus' house. While Jesus was speaking, still speaking, some people came from the leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? It's, it's too late. They didn't get there in time. If they hadn't stopped maybe and made such a big deal about this nameless woman, maybe they would have got there in time, but they didn't get there in time. I'm, I can only imagine how Jairus is feeling, his, his insights just nodding up. But Jesus ignores these people who've come, and he says to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. So they continue on towards Jairus' house, and they arrive at the house, and there is wailing, and there is weeping, and there is commotion all around. And Jesus says, why the commotion? Why the weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laugh at him. So Jesus decides, crowds out. And he just invites a few who are with him, the mother and dad, and they go into where the girl is. And Jesus says ever so gently to her, little girl, get up. And she does. She gets up. And at this, the parents are overwhelmed with joy and with amazement at what's happened. And he pledges them to secrecy. It's not the big event he wants the crowd to even know about. It was too late to heal her. He'd missed the window. The household was in grief. And so Jesus raises her from the dead. Not in front of the whole crowd, but in front of her parents. Resurrection. He even has power over death. Wow. So what challenge is there for us in this story? And I think it's really this question. Do we have faith enough to interrupt Jesus in our crisis? I mean, when that moment comes, when everything changes in that moment, when it's so clear that the crisis that has arrived is beyond any of our control, do we have faith enough to interrupt Jesus? Can we go to him? Can we kneel like Jairus did and said, help, help? Or in our chronic conditions, I mean, we are all hemorrhaging, exhausting our expert resources. We may be just exhausted, period. And we're not dying, but we feel less than alive. We have broken hearts and broken relationships, broken dreams or guilt or the fear of the future, we live under constant anxiety. I mean, do we have faith enough to interrupt Jesus with a gentle touch and tell him the whole truth of our lives? I mean, either one of these things can be very humiliating as we come clean to Jesus. I mean, Jairus' job was to keep the crowd away from Jesus. That didn't work out that way, did it? The woman in the crowd was trying to be as anonymous as she possibly could. They both came, though, 
and interrupted Jesus with a gentle faith in the face of despair. Or how about with our friends or our family or our neighbors? Do we have faith enough to interrupt Jesus on their behalf? It's not lost on me that Jairus is there interrupting Jesus on behalf of his daughter. And I think we're called to be interrupting Jesus on behalf of our family and our friends and our neighbors all the time. And many of you know Steve Hayner. Steve is a former pastor of University Ministries here at, at our church here uh, years ago. From there, he went to be vice president of student affairs at SPU and then on to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship as president and now as president of, of Columbia Theological Seminary down in Georgia. Well, Steve is, for the past several months, has been undergoing treatment for pancreatic cancer. And he's been maintaining a, a, a Caring Bridge blog, too. You can read his journal entries there. To, for those of us who want to stay up on what's happening with Steve so we can pray for him. And after one particularly difficult physical week for Steve, uh, he entered this, this uh, note on his blog on June 6th. And here's part of that post. I thought about how often I have advised people to let others carry them in their faith during these times, too. Like the four friends in the story about Jesus in Mark 2, 1 through 12. It was not the paralytic's faith to which Jesus responded initially, but the simple faith of the man's friends. I woke up one day this week and realized I couldn't locate anything like a genuine faith inside me which would provide enough strength to pray or to reflect or to meditate. But then it occurred to me that I didn't need any. God's grace is not about me. So whatever God has for me is going to come from outside anyway. There are so many people who have asked us how they can help. And that morning I realized that they were helping simply by being faith for me. They were welcoming God's grace when I couldn't even do that much. And so I nestled into my pillow and enjoyed a moment of realization that I was simply being held by joy. Well, I, I love Steve Hainer like a brother. And we all have people like that in our lives that we care for so deeply. And we're called to have faith enough to interrupt Jesus on their behalf, to kneel at the feet of Jesus and ask for their healing, to be faith for them. And I love how Steve said it, to hold them with joy. But what if Jesus doesn't get there in time? There's something very meaningful in this text today about how Jairus' story turns out. We learn something that we would not have learned if Jesus had got there in time. And what we learn is that death is not the final word. Jesus can even conquer death. He has that final word. This is, I think, a tremendous encouragement to us when Jesus does not seem to get there in time in our lives or in the lives of our friends. I have prayed, I don't know if you have, I'm sure you have. I've prayed so fervently for healing in people's lives. I've pleaded with the Lord for that healing. And sometimes it has come, and many times it has not come. And that illness continues, or death has even come. And that's what happened at Jairus' house. Death came. And then Jesus came late. And death did not stand. We have a hope in Jesus that is bigger than death because Jesus conquers death for all who believe. 
And if it's not in this lifetime, there will be healing and resurrection on the other side. And that is the hope we can get from this text. So think about what will happen if we all have faith enough to interrupt Jesus. We might have healing in our lives. We might have community restored. We might have a ministry to care for those who are called to love. We are called to love. Let's pray. Lord, you recognize uh, in us the crises that are there. You know the chronic conditions we have. You know the friends and family and neighbors who are hurting. Lord, you want to give us faith. You give it as a gift. And you are waiting to be interrupted. So, Lord, give us the courage to tap you gently, to kneel before you in the face of crisis, chronic, for us, for our family, for our friends, for our neighbor. Come to you and ask for help. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.